Compass Media Networks. This is America's First News. This morning with your host, Gordon Deal. The struggle to stand out. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Jennifer Kashenka on this Thursday, September 28th. Glad you could be with us. Here's what we have for you this hour. Republican presidential candidates mostly criticized each other during their second debate, trying to narrow the gap with frontrunner Donald Trump. The House and Senate are still moving forward with competing proposals to fund the government, meaning a shutdown is likely. House Republicans later this morning hold their first hearing about an impeachment inquiry into President Biden. We'll have a preview. And are today's workers arrogant? I know that there are a lot of people who feel exactly that way. They're just too smart to say it out loud. Mm. They really believe, I have, I'm have. i in charge of this company, you need to do what I say, and they really have not quite grasped the fact that people have lots of choice. Career expert Julie Bauke on the property developer who says the pandemic changed workers' attitudes for the worse. Seven White House hopefuls desperate to impress Republican voters have debated for the second time, trying to close the polling gap with Donald Trump. Other than a handful of criticisms about the former president skipping the event and his foreign policy, the field largely trained its fire on each other. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. You're not here tonight because you're afraid of being on the stage and defending your record. You're ducking these things. And let me tell you what's going to happen. You keep doing that, no one up here is going to call you Donald Trump anymore. We're going to call you Donald Duck. Entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy on his policies. Militarize the southern border, stop funding sanctuary cities, and end foreign aid to Mexico and Central America to end the incentives to come across. North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum wants less government. Every time the federal government's involved, whether it's higher education, healthcare, or now the auto industry, things get more expensive and less competitive. As the debate concluded, moderators asked them to vote a candidate off the island. Mr. Christie named Mr. Trump, but all the others refused to play along, a sign of how this large field may continue. It's beginning to look a lot like shutdown. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has given a thumbs down to a bipartisan short-term funding bill from the Senate. He prefers a House Republican plan driven by conservatives. But a plan has to be in place by Saturday night, or the government runs out of money to fully operate beginning on Sunday. Why don't you sit down in a meeting? Why aren't you serious about making sure government doesn't shut down? The first thing I would do, I would sit down with us. I'm... I want to sit down with the president to secure that border. California Democrat Pete Aguilar. We're exactly three days away from an extreme Republican shutdown. That means seven million women and children would go without food assistance because of this Republican extremism. Both the House and Senate are moving ahead with their own stopgap proposals. Each plan is considered a non-starter in the other chamber because of sharp differences on spending levels, Ukraine, And border security, Mr. McCarthy, is essentially negotiating with his own conference and the Democratic-controlled Senate. House Republicans today hold their first public hearing in their impeachment inquiry into President Biden. The hearing before the House Oversight Committee will start at 10 a.m. Committee Chair James Comer of Kentucky says they'll present findings from months of GOP-led investigations with the overall goal of explaining why an inquiry is warranted. He claims House Republicans have uncovered an overwhelming amount of evidence showing President Biden abused his public office for his family's financial gain. Missouri Republican Jason Smith. It took us three months to get four people because of how the administration 
Joe Biden's administration is blocking their employees from speaking to Congress. Mr. Comer announced Tuesday night the panel had obtained bank records that he said show Hunter Biden received money from Chinese nationals originating in Beijing that listed President Biden's home in Wilmington, Delaware, as the beneficiary address. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2023. Blocking out the noise and bringing you the facts. You're listening to America's First News this morning with Gordon Deal. Glad you're with us. Welcome into Thursday. By the end of August, Americans were able to review financial disclosure reports for all nine justices on the Supreme Court. But those annual disclosures are far harder to find for hundreds of lower court judges that make up the bulk of of the federal judiciary. It's a story by John Fritzy, Supreme Court correspondent at USA Today. John, take us through it. A lot of what we know about Justice Thomas and these um, gifts and travel uh, have come, or some argue should have come, from his annual financial disclosure reports. These are reports that you know, basically every high-profile government official files, including in the executive branch and the congressional branch, um, and, you know, Supreme Court justices, but also lower court judges uh, across the country. And, you know, I think what's happening here is that the lower courts are struggling to meet this requirement. Initially, they didn't have to post this stuff online. We used to get them like on a thumb drive. Um, we used to go stand in line at the court and they would give them, give it to us in an envelope for a while. They were mailing them. Um, you know, Congress passed this law last year, basically requiring the courts to step it up. Uh, increase some transparency. And, you know, the court is struggling to do that. We found that uh, out of about 155 appeals court judges, only 21 of them have actually put these things online Um, and fix the court, which is a watchdog group that's been pushing on this, estimates that only about 17 percent of all um, judges that includes magistrate judges and all sorts of judges have actually got their annual disclosures online. Wow. All right, so you said they're they're struggling to honor the law. Is that a code word for slow walking it or hoping to <laughs> refuse to have to do it or refusing to do it? Like, I mean, mean, that's always the question, right? I mean, the court courts, of course, um, you know, are, are are pride themselves on being fiercely independent. I don't think. You know, my sense is that nobody, you know, likes this. This is not how they used to do it. Their ostensible argument is that they don't have the staff for it. And I, I you know, th- I think there may be some truth to that, although it's a little murky and hard to figure out because they don't really tell us and they won't tell us really much about like what staffing they have for it. Um, but I do think it's true that, you know, this is a new requirement. Um, I think that they weren't really set up for it. What what we do know is that they've asked for additional staff from Congress. They've received some of that. Um, uh, you know, they need staff, they say, to go through these reports for completeness. But also they argue for security. Uh, they want to make sure that there isn't private information being disclosed in these reports that can, um, you know, lead a bad actor to threaten 
to threaten one of these lower court judges. Hmm. We're speaking with John Fritzy, Supreme Court correspondent at USA Today. His piece is called Not Just Clarence Thomas, Lower Courts Facing Scrutiny Over Ethics and Disclosures Too. What kinds of things uh, have you seen that might, I don't know, raise a red flag here with regards to judges' disclosures? Right. I mean, the reason why this is important, and look, I want to be clear, like 99.9% of these reports are really not all that interesting, right? Like most of these reports um, don't list anything that would raise any eyebrows. Um, Most of these judges don't have, um, likely don't have ethical uh, issues. You know, the question just is like on a sort of, I guess, a matter of principle, um, is the is the transparency right? And you know there have been examples of problems, and a lot of those problems have been found on these reports. And so the Wall Street Journal uh, had a big piece out a few years back that found 130 lower court judges had overseen cases where either they or their families own stock in companies involved in the mm-hmm. case. It was a pretty you know bombshell report. Um, and so you know one of the reasons for this report is to make sure that's not still going on, Um, uh, is to look at these disclosures, be able to look at what stocks uh, these folks have and check to see whether they have any cases uh, that involve those companies. Um, There was also an interesting story um, earlier this year about the judge uh, in Texas, the federal judge in Texas, who's at the center of the Mifepristone case. This is Matthew Kaczmarek. And there was a story about how he... Uh, had concealed um, one of his stocks. He has a, a large stock holding, at least $5 million, and he uh, declined to say what company that was, which is pretty unusual. Um, he has said that he got that cleared uh, with court officials and that there was a, a reason for it, but um, you know, without being able to see what it is, it's sort of hard to assess what that reason is. Thanks, John. John Fritzy, Supreme Court correspondent at USA Today. 20 minutes after the hour on This Morning, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. The seven candidates on stage for last night's second presidential debate went after President Biden, one another, and the absent GOP frontrunner. The at-times chaotic event featured issues such as immigration, economics, and abortion. The candidates tried to have it both ways when asked about the UAW strike. They deflected blame to Biden and refused to say whether they explicitly took the side of the workers over the automakers. Tim Scott on the UAW's demands. One of the challenges that we have in the current negotiations is that they want four-day French work weeks, but more money. They want more benefits, working fewer hours. That is simply not going to stand. Former President Trump, who skipped the debate, held an event yesterday at an auto supplier in the Detroit area. Number two. As the Senate marches ahead with a bipartisan approach to prevent a government shutdown, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is back to square one, asking his hard-right Republicans to do what they have said they would never do, approve their own temporary House measure to keep the government open. McCarthy placed blame for a likely shutdown on President Biden. If he wants to sit and hide in the White House and put government into a shutdown, that's on him. But that's the wrong thing to do. Pressed on how he would pass a partisan Republican spending plan that even his own right flank doesn't want, McCarthy had few answers. Number three. A federal judge has declined to recuse herself from Donald Trump's prosecution on charges he conspired to remain in power 
Following his 2020 election loss, rejecting the former president's argument that her past critical statements about the January 6, 2021 attack on the Capitol created the appearance of bias. Trump's defense lawyer said asked Judge Tanya Chutkin to step away from the case. In a 20-page opinion, Chutkin said her past statements weren't disqualifying and that legal precedent suggested she should not step aside. When it comes to student satisfaction with the college party scene, Indiana University of Pennsylvania comes out on top, according to a survey conducted for the Wall Street Journal. Not only did the small rural IUP get the highest marks in the fun category, but students at two Christian schools ranked their school's party scenes more favorably than those attending large public universities. Texas Christian University, Birmingham Southern College, James Madison University, and Tarleton State University in Texas round out the top five party schools. Well, quick little research there on Birmingham Southern College, all that partying. Yeah. They barely stayed open. Like they needed like an emergency loan to stay open in time for the fall. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, Jen. Thanks for being with us. A property developer in Australia says the unemployment na- rate needs to rise by up to 50% to address what he calls arrogance among some workers. In-depth analysis from career expert Julie Bauke, known as Julie on the Job. Julie, your reaction to his remarks? Yeah, so he's a, a multi-million billion dollar, several billion dollar net worth Australian developer. And when I read that, my first thought was, ooh, he said the quiet part out loud. Um, because I know that he's not the only person who thinks this way. Yeah. Which is... People need to get their heads out of their butts and come in the office and get back to work. And what he, the way he said it was, he said a lot of very incendiary things, which were which was things like um, the worker needs to remember who works for who. We need some pain. We need the unemployment rate to double so that people stop being so arrogant and get back to work. And this is the same guy who said if millennials would quit buying avocado toast, you know, they, they would be much better off. You know, these sort of really, really, really tone-deaf, let-them-eat-cake kind of things yeah. that, you know, it was just, I read it and I'm like, ooh, cringe. And he got a lot of pushback. But I know that there are a lot of people who feel exactly that way. They're just too smart to say it out loud. Mm. They really believe, I have, I'm in charge of this company, you need to do what I say, and they really have not quite grasped the fact that people have lots of choice. You know, and what, you know what struck they, me about this? Yeah. He's 40 years old. I, I thought this was <laughs> going to be some 65-year-old, you know, old school guy throwing this out there. But, I mean, he's not far removed from, like, you know, some of the folks he's probably bringing on board. Yeah, and the, the business season, I think he's in real estate development, kind of financial, kind of portfolio management. That's a pretty conservative industry anyway. And so I would imagine if you went to Wall Street – you would find some 40-year-olds who have really adopted that sort of way of leading, too. And Wall Street was the first, your Jamie Dimons and you know these guys in New York were really the first ones to say, this is nonsense, get back to work. And it didn't work in some cases, but eventually it did because the people in those jobs really want to keep those jobs. They make a lot of money, and they said, okay, it's worth it. And a lot of them, frankly, probably live in a very commutable distance from New York, and so it's not that big of a hardship. But the, the idea that, it, it's how I look at, like, the, the, the UAW strike, and you look at the average auto worker makes $18 an hour, and you look at the gap, the gap that keeps widening between what the people on the line make and the top executives make. And that is, that's an arrogance, that's a different type of arrogance, but it's arrogance as well. 
that we forget. And I used to always say, it seems like the air gets thinner the closer you get to the top and you're going to lose your head. Because the idea that you are so special that you deserve $29 million, $50 million a year is, is, to me, has always been insane. Thanks, Julie. Julie Bauke, career expert we know as Julie on the job. One thing we all have in common is a need to feed. If you're like me, you love to eat and want to eat right without much pre-planning and shopping. Enter HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Kickstart a fresh fall with HelloFresh handling all the meal planning and shopping. They do the work, you take a bow. Plus, HelloFresh is more than just dinners. There's breakfast, quick lunches, fresh snacks, tasty, time-saving, and delivered to your front door. HelloFresh's convenience, variety, and quality keep me eating right all day and night. Right now, save from the start. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon and use code 50Gordon for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. HelloFresh's menu offers 40 recipes and over 100 add-ons. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon and use code 50Gordon for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. Say goodbye to boring meal plans and HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon. The news without the nonsense. You're listening to America's First News this morning with Gordon Deal. Thanks for being with us. Welcome into Thursday, September 28. Gordon Deal, Jennifer Koshenka, some of our top stories and headlines. Republican presidential candidates debate for the second time. Still no agreement on funding the government beyond Saturday. First hearing today into a Biden impeachment inquiry. The New York Times says Chinese hackers stole 60,000 emails from the State Department during a breach in July. No more shorts and hoodies for Pennsylvania Democratic Senator John Fetterman. The Senate has passed a formal dress code. Packers and Lions in Thursday night football and the funeral home for sale outside Boston. That story in about 20 minutes. This portion of the program is brought to you by Dell. Now your ideas don't have to wait. Dell Technologies and Intel are pushing what technology can do so great ideas can happen right now. Find out how to bring your ideas to life at dell.com slash welcome to now. Advocates and attorneys who work with student loan borrowers who have defaulted on their debt worry that in the fall of 2024, after a year-long grace period following the end of the payment pause, millions of borrowers will be thrown into the debt collection system. That's even though Biden administration officials have criticized the government's approach to defaulted student loan borrowers and promised them a fresh start. More from Jillian Berman, personal finance reporter at MarketWatch. Jillian, what are we looking at? Yeah, so student loan borrowers who default on their debt face some of the harshest consequences in the student loan system. So they can have their social security checks seized and tax refunds seized to repay the debt. Um, And while there is a a one-year grace period um, from when student loan payments resume to, you know, between when student loan payments resume and when those kinds of consequences follow, um, advocates are worried that, you know, the government hasn't done much to sort of change that system and make it less punitive. Wow. All right. So before we perhaps revisit that, uh, there was a line in your story where you said, in theory, there should never be student loan defaults. What, what, What do you mean by in theory? 
So the federal government offers a lot of uh, generous repayment programs, and the idea is that you can pay back your debt as a percentage of your income if you know you're struggling financially and paying it off in sort of a 10-year period like you would a mortgage. Um, if those monthly payments are too high for you, there are programs that can help you um, make affordable payments. The problem is they can be hard to access. Um, borrowers have reported you know, having trouble accessing those, um, you know, asking their servicers for help to, to put them on those and, and you know not getting on them, or they may not even know about them. And so these are programs that are supposed to protect borrowers from default um, in cases of economic hardship, and you know sometimes they just don't um, because of sort of flaws in the system. Wow. Um, insufficient communication? Yeah, so insufficient communication is one issue. Um, you know, a lot of borrowers who are at risk of defaulting on their student loans are sort of the least um, online, uh, you know, is maybe a good way of putting it. So a lot of times they're older, um, they may, you know, work a lot of, you know, they may work multiple jobs, be caring for kids, uh, things like that. And so they don't have the time to, you know, sit on the phone or, you know, research everything online and, and kind of get access to the programs they need. A lot of times, too, borrowers who default on their student loans, they're student loans from decades ago, yeah. and they may just forget about them or, you know, not even realize they ever had them um, and, until it comes back uh, in the form of having their Social Security check taken. Ooh. We're speaking with Jillian Berman. Deputy Enterprise Editor at MarketWatch. Her story is called Student Loan Payments Are About to Resume. Defaults are expected to follow. Um, explain the anecdote regarding Jennifer Booth, this woman in your story. That really captures, I think, a lot of, of what's, the, what's the most critical here. Yeah, so Jennifer, you know, she took out a student loan um, when she was uh, 57 to go back to school. She went to a public college. Um, you know, she fell behind on the loan. It She eventually defaulted. The loan ballooned. She ended up owing nearly all nearly almost three times as much as she borrowed initially, plus she had some debt um, that she borrowed to pay for her daughter's college. And so, you know, she was dealing with the tough consequences of that. Her social security check was garnished and she really relied on that money because um, she has raised her 15-year-old grandson, um, you know, and so she uses that money and other resources to kind of make sure they have what they need. Um, so, you know, when her check was was being garnished, that really freaked her out. Um, and eventually, you know, she was able to get some help and enroll in one of these repayment plans that I mentioned um, with the help of a lawyer. But, you know, not everybody can, you know, can, can get to a lawyer and, um, you know, and sort of without that help, they could be at risk of facing those same consequences. Boy. All right. So, I don't know, given the nature of the economy today, are there certain expectations in the months ahead about borrowers going into default? So, you know, like I mentioned before, the government has created this kind of on-ramp, um, that's what they're calling it, um, for the first year that yeah. payments resume. So, you know, this goes until fall 2024. And during that time, borrowers won't face the harshest consequences of defaults. Um, so we won't really see kind of the impact um, for that whole year. They have borrowers have the borrowers who are in default before the pandemic have the opportunity to sort of 
take the steps necessary without any penalties during this period to become current on their loans through a program called Fresh Start. Um, but they do have to take action. And, you know, sort of what advocates and attorneys who work with borrowers are worried about is that they, you know, they won't take action. Um, like I said, we know that this group of borrowers can sometimes be hard to reach. Thanks, Jillian. Jillian Berman, Deputy Enterprise Editor at MarketWatch. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Friday Eve. It is time now for the Mic Drop with this morning's Mike Gavin. Good morning. Well, it's always a good day when we have food news to talk about, so let's dive right into it. It's long been rumored, but now appears to be true. If you roll through your McDonald's drive through at precisely 10.35 a.m., you could score yourself the secret McBrunch burger. Today.com says there have been rumblings for years about the off-menu burger, and the intrigue shot up recently when a food TikToker named Tommy Wink decided to try it for himself, posting a video of him pulling up to the ordering screen at 10.35 and ordering a McBrunch burger. After some confusion among the workers, he is told they'll make it for him. Winkler gets a burger featuring two cheeseburger patties, bacon, hash browns, and eggs, and a sesame seed bun, which cost him about $5. He immediately devoured the burger and gave it a thumbs up. Rumors of the McBrunch go back at least a decade when Consumerist.com reported about the mashup of the McDouble and Egg McMuffin, dubbing it the Mc1035. Wow. Yeah. Well, right at that time? I guess so. I guess maybe not exactly a 1035 you have to get there. I guess the idea is that it's it's right between yeah. breakfast and lunch. So they have both sets of food made, right? Yep. They still have breakfast uh, on the, you know, the being made, and then they're getting the lunch ready. So they have mm. all that food available to them and can kind of mash up really anything you want at that time of the morning. That's remarkable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sounds pretty oh, good. It I'm sounds not unbelievable. Lie. Yeah. It's uh, something I, I most definitely will have to so try. You get two cheeseburger patties. Yes. Plus, you get the bacon, mm-hmm. hash browns, and eggs. Yes. All on that same bun. I mean, the hash browns are the key. The hash browns mixed with the burger. I, I oh, want to know uh, what that tastes like. That's breathtaking. <laughs> yes. We'll have to come back in, uh, on a Monday and report back <laughs> how, how we did on that. And the uh, shock waves have continued all this week in the aftermath of Taylor Swift's appearance at the Kansas City Chiefs game this past weekend. Ratings skyrocketed, jersey sales jumped, and now even the world of food has been affected. As Swifties dissected every second of Taylor's time at Arrowhead Stadium, it was noted by a popular fan account on social media that the pop star appeared to be eating quote a piece of chicken with ketchup and seemingly ranch jokes have been flying since about seemingly ranch users made seemingly ranch friendship bracelets and other sports teams like the new york mets and san jose sharks invited swift to their venues to enjoy some chicken tendies with ketchup and seemingly ranch (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's even seeped into the business world with Kraft Heinz announcing a new limited-time condiment called, you guessed it, ketchup and seemingly ranch. Heinz told Fox Business that they were inspired by the post and will be releasing 100 bottles of the sauce, explaining that the 100 figure is an addition of Kelsey's jersey number 87 and Swift's favorite number 13. I'm done now. <laughs> you're, yeah, now I'm done. Now, uh, now you're out? Yeah, no, it's just like enough of Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Oh, I see. Saw you at the game Sunday terrific everybody seemed happy yeah i hate to break it to you she's yeah. coming to our neck of the woods this weekend uh, for the uh, jets game it's true for the good people playing the jets you so uh, you know for a fact she's going to be there is that what you're saying they're saying that that is going to be happening that's that is they're that's very strong say? very strong rumors that she's going to okay. be there this weekend all right clear out i got the monday night game <laughs> the giants and seahawks yes thanks mike did you know traditional bed sheets harbor as much bacteria as a toilet seat 
The germs in your sheets can cause acne, allergies, stuffy noses, and other gross ailments. Fears, though, that you can put to bed with Miracle Made bed sheets. Miracle Made uses silver infused fabrics inspired by NASA that are thermoregulating to keep you at a perfect temperature all night. Miracle Made is self cleaning, self cooling, luxurious, eco friendly bedding designed to protect your skin for more restorative rest. My wife and I love them. Now, my listeners can have a clean night's sleep while saving over 40% and sleep cool all summer and warm all winter. The website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. Claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% at checkout. Miracle-made products are backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, the website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. Trymiracle.com slash Gordon to save big. You can sleep cool, comfy, and clean. Miracle-made bedding, NASA-inspired for out-of-this-world comfort. Sleep clean with Miracle. Thanks for being with us. U.S. government services would be disrupted and hundreds of thousands of federal workers would be furloughed without pay if Congress fails to provide funding for the fiscal year starting Sunday. Workers deemed essential would remain on the job, but without pay. Reuters has a guide to what would stay open and what would shut down. The two million U.S. military personnel would remain at their posts, but roughly half of the Pentagon's civilian employees would be furloughed. Social Security would continue. Uh, would would continue to issue retirement and disability benefits, and payments would continue under Medicare and Medicaid health care programs. Military veterans' benefits would also continue. And even though they're responsible for the shutdown, members of Congress will continue to collect paychecks. Staffers do not get paid, though those deemed essential would be required to work. Eight minutes in front of the hour on this morning. Once again, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. The second GOP presidential debate was full of arguments and one-liners, but none of the candidates articulated a clear case why they should be the front-runner instead of Donald Trump. Seven hopefuls appeared desperate to make an impact before the GOP electorate further solidifies behind Trump, but behind a handful of criticisms about the former president skipping the event and his foreign policy, the field largely trained its fire on each other. Nikki Haley with a zinger against Vivek Ramaswamy about TikTok. TikTok is one of the most dangerous social media apps yes, that is. we could have. And what you've got, I honestly, every time I hear you, I feel a little bit dumber for what you say. Hmm. Because I can't believe you know, they hear you've Haley got a TikTok situation. As the debate concluded, moderators asked them to vote a candidate off the island. Chris Christie named Trump. The rest refused to play along. Number two. Republicans have insisted for months they have the grounds to launch impeachment proceedings against President Biden today. They'll begin formally making their case to the public and their skeptical colleagues in the Senate. The chairman of Oversight, Judiciary and Ways and Means will review the constitutional and legal questions surrounding their investigation of Biden and what they say are links to his son Hunter's overseas businesses. Republican Congressman Jason Smith of Missouri. We have a long list of people that we are trying to come in to answer questions. We're following the facts and we're going to see where the facts lead us. Number three. Travis King, the U.S. soldier who ran across the border into North Korea this summer, has arrived back on U.S. soil after being expelled by the reclusive state. The U.S. Army private landed in San Antonio early this morning. State Department spokesman Matthew Miller says King was freed with the help of Sweden. We tried to reach out on a number of occasions. They rejected our direct approaches and uh, ended up uh, uh, 
talking to uh, Sweden. King is expected to undergo post-isolation support activities, which are designed to help prisoners of war, hostages, and wrongfully detained Americans. Michigan State has fired Mel Tucker, saying the suspended football coach failed to present adequate reasons why he should not be fired for cause after having what he described as consensual phone sex with an activist and rape survivor. The school said it terminated what's left of Tucker's $95 million 10-year contract for acknowledging actions that subjected the institution to ridicule, breaching his contract, and moral turpitude. Wow. All right. Thank you, Jen. How would you feel about living in a former funeral home? A nearly two-century-old funeral home with rooms gutted and waiting for you is on the market in Massachusetts. The Turgeon Funeral Home, built in 1850, rests on a plot at 56 Main Street in the small town of Millbury, about 45 minutes west of Boston. The property's been with the same family since the 1940s. The property, listed on movewithmedia.com for $769,000, is a spacious 5,100 square feet with three bedrooms, one full bath, two half baths, a three-car garage on a lot that's three-quarters of an acre. The listing says homeowners may be attracted to find that the two-story home could be easily converted back to a single-family home. The for-sale sign outside the property says, probably haunted. That'll do it for this hour. For Jennifer Koshenka and Mike Gavin, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News.